All right, you ready, Roy? Ready. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's go. Ready, three, two, one. And welcome back to Filling the Table Podcast with your boys T-Roy and P-Roy and our special guest, Justin Goings, Goings Gone. <laughs> Glad to be here. I appreciate How are we doing you having today? me on. Man, it's a... I would like to say it's a fantastic, beautiful day, but man, it has been ugly outside all week. It's yeah. kind of sad. It's been <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Between the freezing and like the flooding, it's been weird. The Isn't that strange though? Like we went from below freezing to muggy and nasty and it's 70 outside right now. What is up with that? I think that's just a Louisiana thing. Just yeah. the wild ranges. <laughs> just of, yucky. One day it's a hurricane. One day you've got a flood in the front yard. Next week it's frozen over. It can't make its mind up. I think the big Bad. man upstairs just likes to keep us on our toes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he likes to mess with us a little bit. Yeah. Like, hey, what's going on down in Louisiana today? <laughs> let, let me mix <laughs> it up for him. Let's throw him off. So Why what not? you been up to, man? Well, I guess let's start off with introducing yourself, kind of letting the guests know or our viewers know who you are. Yeah. And uh, what you do and, you know, what you bring to your table necessarily. So Nice. Well, uh. First and foremost, my name is Justin. I'm from Prairieville, so right outside Baton Rouge. Uh, Not born and raised necessarily. I was born in Baton Rouge, and then we actually moved to Kentucky for a little bit after Hurricane Katrina. And um, plain and simply, it it wasn't Louisiana. It wasn't home. Our family's from here. Our friends are from here. So after about two years, we made our way back down. My dad found a job working at Dow Chemical in Plaquemine. We got a house in Prairieville. I was in fourth grade at the time, and we've been here ever since. So uh, originally from Prairieville, and I went to LSU. Uh, I graduated there in finance, and I ended up getting a job working for Edward Jones. So very blessed, very fortunate to have found a job after COVID. I know a lot of people were struggling during that time, and I definitely have really enjoyed my experience at Edward Jones. So I'm sure we'll get into that at some point and, and why I do what I do. But now I have my own office out in Luling, uh, and I know Trent's very familiar with Luling. I'm sure Harrison <laughs> very familiar with Luling now. But, you know, when I first started in Luling, it was kind of like a blip on the map to me. I didn't know it very well, and, uh, and now I find it as a second home. I actually don't live in Luling. I live in Kenner with my fiance Maddie, and uh, we bought a house in February, so we're very fortunate, very happy. Had Trent and his team over there just recently helping us out a little bit, <laughs> you know, so that was really nice. But, uh, but yeah, I'm an open book. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate y'all having me on the podcast today. Oh, yeah. So I guess the first thing that kind of caught my mind was you moved all the way to Kentucky from Baton Rouge? Yeah, yeah, we did. And then came back? We did, yes. So we, I mean, I was obviously very young. So I'm 25 right now. And Katrina hit, I was in second grade. So obviously I didn't get a say in the move. (laughs) It's one of those moves when you're a kid and, you know, they're telling you that you're going to move and you're crying because you got to move. You're leaving your friends and your family. And then... I mean, how long does it normally take you to get adjusted to moving somewhere? About two years. So Minimum. Minimum two years. So I get my two years, and I'm finally feeling good, happy. I'm a kid in Lexington, Kentucky. And then we're like, all right, we're leaving. I'm like, dang, (laughs) I just got used to this. (laughs) But but no, we moved there for my dad's job. My dad had a job working for Georgia Pacific up there. He had an opportunity. He was previously working for my grandpa at a company called Plastishell. And, um, and it was, uh, it was a plastics company. It was a plant and they manufactured a lot of different types of plastics and they would kind of wholesale them out to different companies. And, uh, it was a great idea. Uh, what they were doing was strong, but Katrina really, 
it hit him south. So uh, our family took a pretty big hit with that one. We kind of had to start over. We had a lot of apples in that basket right there. And, um, and yeah, you know, they learned a lot, and, and we were happy to make the move. My mom was a teacher at the time, so we basically just, uh, you know, followed her. Sorry. <laughs> For those who can't see on the camera, this, this dog just came and loved up on me. <laughs> Which is totally fine. It's just a normal thing. They just float around. I don't know if you've noticed in like previous pods, but they're always barking at somebody and and floating around or like even when I'm sitting on the couch. Is it he or she? So they're both boys. They're both boys. Well, he probably was a little frustrated. He's like, why did this guy come in here and not give me pets? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. something's going on. And and, and the problem is so, and it's not an issue. I don't need to worry about it. I'm allergic to dogs, but as long as I don't mess with my eyes, I'm totally fine. So, (laughs) you know, first instinct, like, like, look, he got hair all up on me, this dog. (laughs) But. First instinct, I'm always very, very hesitant because I don't know how I'm going to react, but I've had them long enough that they don't even bother me anymore. So okay. totally, totally fine on this side. Just acclimated. Oh, yeah, no doubt. But Kentucky was cool. Um, you know, for a kid, the difference between Louisiana and Kentucky is very simple. Louisiana is flatland. Kentucky is not flatland. Mm-hmm. So we had hills in our backyard. We actually had a little horse park that you could go through this brush area and it was 100 acres of open grass area with different logs and trees and obstacles that people would come out there and ride and train. And as a kid, we would just go back there and play hide-and-seek. You know, <laughs> we would just run Perfect around. Terrain. Oh, it was Perfect awesome. Terrain. Dude, we loved it. And, uh, and, and we would, you know, take our bikes, and we would go on these hills and bust our face open. <laughs> you know? But it was a great time, man. We liked it. I traveled up there a few times. So we went to Pigeon Forge last summer. For our World Series, and that's kind of like right north. I think Tennessee is – is that north or – that's south of Kentucky, correct? I think it's north of no, – Tennessee right, is think, below Kentucky. I think Kentucky yeah. rides like the yeah, border. Yeah, Tennessee is below Kentucky. So yeah. the Pretty mountain, similar terrain. Yeah, though, the probably. terrain is kind of similar, right? And then my dad passed away in Tennessee, actually, for when we were riding dirt bikes. And I remember the terrain vividly just being super – like some – driveways would be straight up on the side of a mountain. It's like, how do you even get your vehicle up that without yeah. flipping? Oh, you know, man. just random things like that, you know? Yeah, I remember one time we went to Gatlinburg, uh, and we stayed in one of those little Airbnb cabins. It was a long time ago. I don't even know if Airbnb was a thing. But <laughs> uh, we stayed in the cabin, and I remember you would take your, your vehicle, and you used to have to slam the gas to, in order to get And you're like, God, I hope it doesn't break down on me. <laughs> I go down this mountain. <laughs> that was yeah. literally us. We got an Airbnb that was like, it was an old lodging cabin that yeah. I guess somebody had bought and just Airbnb'd them out, right? Uh-huh. But it was on the side of a mountain, like on the uh, like 30 degree slope, it felt like, yeah. you know? Not yeah. not fun terrain Mm-mm. and just nervous, you know? Mm-mm. But yeah, back to like the Hurricane Ida thing. Hurricane Ida definitely put a lot of families at like a, I wouldn't even say necessarily like a financial bind, but just a financial crossroad mm-hmm. where either, you know, my company just went under and they're not going to be, you know, I either have to move my family to sustain the same lifestyle we were living, or I'm going to have to take a pay cut in order to stay in the area. It, it brought a lot of people to a reality check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you say, I feel like not, you know, it might not have been a burden for everybody because not everybody, not everything is a burden necessarily financially, unless you're lacking, right? You might have the funds, but you still have a decision to make, you know? Yeah. So definitely uprooted a lot of people. I mean, a lot of people from New Orleans moved to Baton Rouge. I can remember being in school and having four or five kids join my class, mm-hmm. you know, overnight pretty much. Just yep. kicked into the class in the middle of semester, and you're like, 
where did all these kids come from? And it's like, oh, well, they had to go somewhere. You're talking about Katrina right now, huh? Yes. Okay. Did I say Hurricane Ida? I figured you were talking about Katrina. Yeah, yeah, Katrina, my bad. Yeah. No, it's all good. Hurricane yeah. Ida, I've been doing too much Hurricane Ida work, <sighs> so I can't stop talking about it. That's Man. all. When I think hurricanes, that's what it comes to mind. on the mind. I wish Ida wasn't on the mind, right? I'm telling but, you. but you're so right about that, too, and displacement of kids that were realistically just lost and i know for me when hurricane katrina hit and in baton rouge obviously we didn't get hit that hard but uh, people were still affected and our neighbors they took some kids who lost their parents during katrina and there were hundreds probably thousands actually that just could not find their parents and they had spent a month and a half at that house, our neighbors, and the kids were really, really cool. They were our age. Me and my brother loved them. We hung out with them. We shared our toys with them. We were playing our PlayStation 1 with yeah. them at the time. You know, we actually donated our PlayStation 1 to them when they moved away. Man, they were awesome. And um, PS2. Got to give away the we old had, one. We had the PS2 yeah. already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you got to give it away. It's like, it's the right thing to do. But it's crazy that they found the parents, but it wasn't for a month and a half. How crazy is that? A month and a half. Because... Everybody was scattered. No, there was no communication for these kids. They didn't know where they were. They, there was no, 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 I guess internet was obviously fine. We had internet, but it, it wasn't, wasn't nearly what it is today. Mm -mm. Yeah, no, no you couldn't nearly. easily communicate mm -mm. like you can now. They, they were still using, yeah, my dad passed away in 07, and he had a Razor flip phone yeah. when he passed away. I can vividly remember that. Mm -hmm. That's like, you know, we didn't even have iPhones yet, I don't believe. Uh, they yeah. might have been like first generations pretty much. So, Probably so it wasn't like you could get online on your phone real quick and check Facebook and just mm -hmm. be like, hey, where are y'all? Mm -hmm. That wasn't a thing. If you didn't yeah, have a phone number to call, you weren't getting in touch with them. No. Yeah, not, not just that, but, you know, I would imagine they all went to the police first and foremost, but there were so many people reported to the yeah. police at that time that they were just having to go through that list. I, I would not have wanted to be in that. The, the law enforcement at that time probably just incredibly emotionally stressed, physically stressed. I mean, just that, that was a tough time as a state for us, for sure. Yeah, I'm, no doubt. Mm -hmm. You still see, like, you still see little things when you go into New Orleans of just buildings that never recovered from mm -hmm. Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's wild. That. It's wild. It's been 20 years. Almost. Right. And, yeah. But you still see it. So. I forget. You know, the, the big building, there's a giant building, and it's the second biggest building behind the uh, the, the Benson Tower for Intergy, and it is this completely vacant apartment complex. It is a badass building. I think I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking I about? I think so, yeah. I forget the name of the building, but it is huge. And there was a giant asbestos claim because mm -hmm. it went down during Katrina. Not went down, but it closed down during Katrina, and then somebody else bought it. Tried to renovate it back. It was a shit show. It didn't go well at all. And I think that thing's been vacant for like 15 years. The second biggest tower in New Orleans just taking up space, doing nothing. Uh -huh. And that's just the aftermath of Katrina. That yeah. Our infrastructure is all kinds of jacked up, man. Yeah, Mother Nature's crazy, dude. I know, like, you see all of the, like, the stuff in Japan. Like, yeah. the reactor that blew up. Mm. They're still having, like, radiation problems from that. Wow. So it's just crazy to see how, and I think that was, like, an earthquake slash tsunami. Mm -hmm. And it's just crazy to see how, like, Mother Nature can, like, really affect that. No doubt. I agree with that. It's the Plaza Tower. Plaza Tower? It's yeah. been closed since 2002 because of environmental problems, like oh. to toxic mold and asbestos. So nothing to do with Katrina. It's just been closed. Just been closed. <laughs> since <laughs> 2002. Yeah. Whatever chances it had, Katrina just... 
Yeah, shit Just on shut that. It down. Shit on that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we thought like they probably were dumping money into it yeah. too, like trying to remediate it, oh, yeah. get it back right. And next thing you know, Katrina comes in. Oh, it's like, man. man, we just dumped five million dollars into our building Dude. for it to go to shit. Man, yeah, it, it's crazy. Like, like when that levee opened up, right? My grandpa lived in Lakeview, and his house had eight feet of water in it. He still has that house. You know, they renovated it, but you know that that's someone's home with eight feet of water in it. That is so crazy. Yeah. Uh, I find myself very, very fortunate, very blessed that I was young enough that I wasn't able to really, like, understand what yeah. was going on. Yeah. Because that's so hard, for sure. Yeah. And it happens everywhere. It's not just us, for sure. And you, know? you don't realize that, like, because as a little kid, your parents seem like these super adults that, you know, they run the world almost. And they were, I mean, I'm 27, about to be 28 in the next couple months. Mm-hmm. I feel like 30 is kind of sneaking in on me. My mom, old. I know my mom adopted <laughs> me. You telling me my mom adopted me when she was 23. Mm-hmm. So like when I was, she was, she might've been like 30, 31 when hurricane Katrina hit. Yeah. I was like seven, eight, third grade, I think. So, I mean, that's two years older than I am. And you're trying to like navigate from an adult perspective with children, all this chaos going on, trying to figure out the best moves to make. It's like there's a there's a shitty side of it where you know you might lose your friends or have to move schools, but at the end of the day, it sustains. Yeah. You know, you see, the family sustains, and that's the most important thing at the end of the day. I you agree. Know, just just financially being able to make it. Absolutely. A lot of times hitting like bottom, you always hear like nowhere to go but up. But like sometimes like how how do you get back up from that? How do you get back up from like completely losing your house, completely losing like your way of life? That's especially tough, especially with the family. You know, it's crazy. It's not an easy thing to bounce back from. That's no. for sure. Like people who lose their homes are fires. Where do you go? Yeah. What do you do that night? You better, hopefully you have enough money in your account to stay at a hotel for, you know, a week until your insurance claim can kind of start sorting itself out. Maybe get a deductible payment from it. I don't know. Shit. Yeah. But you know, you start really thinking about like major disasters like that. that that's a tough spot to be in for sure. Yeah. And it's crazy. Cause like it, it doesn't happen to you until it happens to you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You don't think sure. about it. You don't understand it. You watch it happen to somebody else and you can't internalize what they're going through. You cannot empathize with that until you've had it happen to yourself. Yes. You can feel for them. You can definitely sympathize with them, but to empathize with somebody who's lost everything, that is something that unless you've been through it yourself, for, for sure. sure, that's a feeling that I pray that I don't have to go through, but I know people that have gone through it and, I, I count myself as someone who probably very well could. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. I mean, you, I, I know that we became a lot closer through the work that I was doing out in Luling from hurricane Ida. And that's exactly where you work. So most of your clientele probably have massive home issues. Yeah. I, would, I would imagine across the board, probably 50% of your clients were like, I'm going to have to finance this somehow, you know, yeah. and you being a CPA, you're having to directly figure this out with them. Yeah. It's so, a, so I'm not a CPA. I'm a financial advisor. CPAs do taxes, but they probably see the same things that we do. And okay. you're probably thinking of a CFP, which are very similar to what okay, we're talking okay. about. But yeah, no, you're right. Uh, man, I was pretty fresh in Luling when Hurricane Ida hit. So I did not have the same understanding of the city and, the attachment that that city has, you know how it is with small cities. Yeah, everybody yeah. knows everybody. Really Everybody's really very key. tight, very connected. Everybody helps each other. I, I didn't know how tight that city was until after they went through that because everybody was helping everybody out. Everybody was so grateful, even in the midst of all this horrible thing going on. 
And I'm obviously trying to help in any way I can. I bought a chainsaw. I went out there and I went yeah. on Facebook and figured out where I could go out there and try to cut trees. Now, me, <laughs> y- y'all don't know this. I'm not a chainsaw <laughs> guy. So, man, I, I think that chainsaw, because I hadn't ran it in about a year and a half, it's probably don't work no more, <laughs> unfortunately. So but, but, yeah, I went out there. Dude, that's why I said, I said, let me get a chainsaw and figure out what I can do. Might as well. You know? Everybody, everybody needs help. Was everybody yeah, was right. doing it. Everybody you know? needed help. I remember Home Depot sold them Ryobi chainsaws. I went and got one. For heaven's sakes, just, you know, riding around, you see some some old lady, some old guy out there trying to break down sticks and, like, pick stuff up. You're like, I'll cut that up for you for free real quick. Instead of you paying somebody two grand to come out here and cut one tree that yeah. fell down for you. You know, yeah. I'm not moving it for you. You're on your own there, but I'll, oh, yeah. I'll get it chopped up for you and kind of speed your process up a little bit. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of that. Helped oh, yeah. a lot of family, friends. Yeah, and maybe that's a good transition to talk about the good sides because I feel yeah. like we've <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talked no, about sure. all the sad things in Louisiana, man. Yeah, no, there's definitely like a, I think that's why you see a lot of, there's a lot of Southern hospitality around here. People are always willing to help you. Yep. And, and yeah. they don't necessarily have, there's a handful of people that want something in return. But not not many people, I feel like, are expecting something back, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's just a cultural thing around here. Yeah, I agree. I think everybody over here understands what it's like to go through pain, go through turmoil. Shit, yeah. They don't want to go through it alone. No. You know, that's the hardest thing. I forget. God, what's the show? Y'all ever seen that show with Sylvester Stallone? It just came out. It's called Tulsa King. Yeah. Have y'all I've seen, seen that? It's pretty good. I watched Have you seen the whole it. season? No. no. I okay. don't, I've seen a good bit of him, but I don't think I've seen like... It's a one. really good show. I just... I think that he did a great job. He looks crazy young, probably because he's on TRT or something. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably he's still juicing up. Huh? Man, he's that like guy is still jacked. And he, hey. He's probably... He might be 80 by now, man. That guy's been through some years. But I remember one time when he's talking about and he's like, the worst curse that guy could ever put on somebody is having to do it alone. Having to die alone, having to be alone at the end of their days... And he talks about that. And he's like, I need people around me. I need people that are supporting me. And he says that. And there are people who, they don't make that choice, right? They have no choice but to go through it alone. That yeah. is really, really hard. So I think people in Louisiana recognize that. They understand it. They don't want that. They don't want anybody to go through that. And they're just they're not looking for something in return. They just want somebody who is not going to make them go through it alone, right? And that's what I think. That's kind of the whole point of the pod, man, like filling the table, like building your network, having that. Connection around you, having someone to call in every scenario. Yeah, like, but oh, yeah. someone solid, not just yeah. somebody, somebody you can really count on. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because I know, like you said, some people don't have anyone. Like, kind of some of like the small motivations that made me want to build the podcast and build like a community was being in the military. There's certain people who really don't have any, like guys mm. who really don't have anybody. Where like, if I that was their you, only option, joining yeah. the military to have something. Yeah, but also just people who are going through stuff around a lot of people, but still, like, alone, not having anyone. Like, I've talked about on the podcast, but one thing that really motivated me to start it was uh, I had a a guy that I used to work with who was going to kill himself, and he didn't really know me. I didn't really know him. He's like, dude, I just didn't know who to tell, and, like, I feel like you would listen. And, like, no telling what would have happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know that's kind of, like, kind of sad for a second, but. I I don't find it sad at all. I think it's great that. He saw something in you that shows that you would listen and care about him. I think yeah. that's great. Exactly. Because even if we talk about it, but even if, you know, we don't have thousands, tens of thousands of followers, if we can help someone like confide in us and listen to us mm-hmm. on the way home or on the way to work when they're just got like nobody. You know what I mean? No a doubt. lot of people, a lot of people talk to respond or a lot like, and, and, and I, 
you know, it's more of a girl thing, like, you know, chitty chat and gossip, that kind of thing. Small talk, Small talk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, a lot of people will talk just to talk and like, you know, conversate. Not many people will have conversation to listen and to learn. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people listen to, to reply, not to learn something about you or to learn, like to really break, you know what I'm saying? Like that next level step of like, not just hearing what you say so I can think of what to say back, but hearing what you say, actually analyzing it and thinking of my true response. Mm -hmm. Not many people do that. Yeah, like the active listening. The active listening. I'm guilty of being a passive listener all the time, especially when I'm busy at work and I'm just moving at a million miles an hour because you got a lot going on. I'm sure you've been there where you hear something and your assistant tells you something three times and it's like, okay, the third time I got you. Yeah. I got you this time. I'm sorry. I, I apologize, but oh, I got yeah. you this time. Absolutely. You know what I mean? It, it oh, happens yeah. and you don't mean to do it. But you have to you have to be intentional with yeah. that. That 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 requires actual intention of trying to be into with doing that. Yeah, and I think that's also you know going back to what you just said about seeing that in my job, seeing that in your job, Ugh, dude. We see it all the time. And it doesn't yeah. even have to be a job; it's just day to day life. Mm -hmm. You know, it just happens day to day life. Everything. I mean, we are in a people person job. You know, yes. like we have to know people, we have to understand people. And we have to really care about people because the last thing somebody wants is somebody that cares only about themselves. They don't care about what you know until they know how much you care. Simple as For that. For sure. Every time. For sure. Every single time. And then once you build that relationship off that, it's going to go. Now, obviously, after that, they got to make sure that you know your stuff. They can't just be giving no, yeah, it yeah, to yeah, some yeah. random person who's talking out of their ass. But if you genuinely care about someone and you know what you're talking about, you're actually legitimately there to do something that's going to be favorable for them. And that's a good network. That's a great relationship to have. Some big old dogs. Yeah. Some I'm big sorry. old dogs. They're not little. <laughs> they do a good job of protecting, but they're always interrupting the podcast. How long you had those dogs? Hey, buddy. You, the, are, you are adorable, but you are a shedder. You yeah. know that, man? The white one is like, <laughs> I think he's eight, maybe nine. He's okay. older. And then he's two or three. Okay. So younger, older. Yep. He's getting old, so it kind of started moving slower. So we got him kind of keeps him active yeah yeah know. he's got a friend right there yeah pretty much it's nice it's, it's good i mean imagine if you were by yourself all the time oh man don't say don't get, say that to me it i get just boring. got a little dog it get boring <laughs> you know <laughs> you're gonna hurt my feelings maybe get a second dog. i will say this <laughs> nothing got more difficult when i got a second one yeah the, if anything it got easier because i didn't have to worry about uh -huh. this one all the time yeah. and if anything get the other one a second one after the first one is trained yeah because the second like if he's potty trained he doesn't use the bathroom in the house at all he picked up on that right away. Was yeah. like, okay, he, we use a bathroom outside. Yeah, and you got two different types of dogs too, right there. Yeah. What what, what kind of dogs are those? So Great Pyrenees Boxer, and then he's a purebred gold. Well, I say purebred, but a golden doodle. Golden doodle. It's not a purebred, no matter how you twist it. Yeah. It's a, a golden <laughs> retriever and <laughs> yeah. a poodle, so it's not a purebred, but yeah. you know, it, it's crazy that you know. And actually, so Maddie and I, uh, and so I, I was saying this a second ago. My allergies, I had to get something that was like purely hypoallergenic. Yeah. I could not get something that was, you know, anything otherwise. Because my, I have asthma as well, so I got asthma-induced allergies or allergy-induced asthma, and so my lungs get all jacked up, my eyes get all watery. Yeah. So I need to make sure whatever dog I was gonna get with me and Maddie was something that did not shed. Anyway, I was small. And so we found this this Facebook group uh, out of Thibodeau. Uh, it was actually my, my branch administrator, Shelly. She put that out there, and she's like, Justin, 
you know, Maddie really wants a dog. You got to get her a dog. <laughs> I'm like, Shelly, shut up. <laughs> stop, to, stop bringing it up, Shelly. Shelly, shut up. <laughs> She's like, Justin, look, I found this Facebook group. It's got all these cute little dogs. Why don't you check them out? I'm like, Shelly, I already got her the Lululemon mirror. I don't, she don't need a dog for Christmas, <laughs> man. But anyways. Uh, killing me, Shelly. She's killing me, right? So saw these little, they were, they were toy poodles, right? And, and I'm going to show you the picture of this dog. Yeah, man. let me see. I'm going to pull the picture of this dog. Let me dog. see. All right, let's see. I got I got some good pictures of the dog. Because Maddie wants to do one of those things where she's on social media and, like, be an influencer with the dog. And, like, Maddie, oh God. You, you can't even post pictures of us. <laughs> what makes you think that you could post pictures of this dog? She's like, oh, shut up. You're being so negative. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just telling the truth. <laughs> so I'm the one with all the pictures of this dog right here. All right, let's see. You got to support her dreams, man. Yeah, dogs. Well, I am supporting her dreams for said, sure. His name is Finley, by the way. Oh yeah, Finley's. Finley the dog. Finley's cute. Finley's a cute little dog. Finley's Finley's like a miniature version of Chief, pretty much. Look at that. Oh yeah, he's cute. More like a bear. Yeah, yeah. he's he's real cute. He's cute. Yeah, he's he looks like a ham bomb. He's yeah. a smart dog. He's not gonna get big either. He's gonna be like fifteen pounds max. No, <laughs> that dog, Chief. Doodle, smartest dog I've ever owned. Oh, yeah? By a mile. Nice. He's, I mean, he, he, he's almost rebellious, okay. you know, because he's got, he's so smart that he can be like kind of sassy. Yeah. He, he's yeah, got, yeah. he can outthink he tries to at least. Right. Thinks they can. <laughs> they're bad dogs, bro. <laughs> they're bad dogs, but they're good dogs. Oh, they're, man. You know what I mean? You know, but what I was saying about the breeder, right? The breeder that we went to, they do like Pouchons and Poodles and Golden Doodles. Like they would, you know, artificially inseminate the, the, the poodle with golden retriever. Cause it's not like a, a golden retriever and a poodle are getting it on, you yeah. know, <laughs> like that, that'd be messed <laughs> up, dude. That would be like aggressive. Yeah. That'd be bad. <laughs> but it, it was like two different color dogs. Like I think they were both golden and the golden doodle came out black fur. It was, I'd never seen anything like it, hmm. but, but you know, they had all the papers and everything. So I don't know how that works. Like maybe like the same way that like, like a brown hair and a black person or a black hair person get like a red hair. Like that happens yeah. every now and then. Could be a like you have like gene. a, I don't know, but it had black fur on this dog that from two golden fur dogs. I've never seen anything like it. One of the grandparents know. had to have been like a dog maybe dark so. hair. Yeah. yeah, like up the chain, one link. Mm-hmm. Very maybe. I don't yeah. know. So look, let's dive into uh, let's dive into like your your work life a little bit because I know that's probably your most like intentional area of your life that you spend the most time in. Yeah. Is it? You know, is it? Yeah. I saw you played a lot of tennis when I came over to your house and did that work. There was tennis stuff everywhere. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Tennis is a big part of my life, too, for sure. Um, I'll, I'll answer the first question, then I'll talk a little bit about tennis as well. I know that y'all are coaches. I coach in rec league over in Luling, so we can definitely have a conversation oh, yeah. about that and the impact it has. Oh, <laughs> uh, look at you getting excited about this stuff. What, what age? What age? Well, it ranges from eight years old to 16-year-olds. Oh, Generally, yeah. at first they put me in the older group, but then they realized that I've actually coached before because in tennis, it's not a sport that you can just pick up parent volunteers for. Mm-hmm. And there's not nearly as many people willing to volunteer for tennis. It's a very mm-hmm. under... Uh, staffed, if understaffed. you want to Yeah, yeah. It's not many people getting pumped up to go play tennis in Louisiana. Yeah. And, uh, and realistically... I wasn't very good at tennis because I was top in my age group for Louisiana and I thought I was good. And then I found out that Louisiana is the worst state in America at tennis and America is the worst country <laughs> in the world at tennis. So when I'm trying to go play college tennis and I'm only talking to these very tiny schools, cause that's the only ones that's talked to me. I'm like, dang, 
I'm not good. <laughs> you know, I thought that was good. But where I'm at in Luling, I'm actually very good because nobody plays out yeah. there. So I start all day. Yeah, you can shine out there. <laughs> yeah, so I, I knew enough to be dangerous, I guess. And uh, so I started coaching the older kids, and they're like, we need you with the younger kids because, like, no one's able to handle them. And I'm like, I can put them through some drills. We can make them work for sure. And, uh, and I did that long enough, and I got done. The rec league was a spring and a fall. It was a volunteer thing. Enjoyed it. It was fun. And then I found that they just fell out of the sport when you didn't have rec league. So I'm like, shoot, well, we can't do that. So I put some clinics on the side in between the fall and the spring league, and it really caught on. It was really, really strong. You know, we had kids sign up. Parents loved it. Kids loved it. It was really, really cool. Um, and then the spring league, and everybody was excited for that, getting ready for high school tennis. And, man, I would love to keep doing it, but I just feel like I had a very big issue in my first two years of my career was saying no to things. And I'm getting better at it. I'm getting a lot better at it because I definitely stretch myself very thin right. with my career and with my fiance and with my somewhat social life that I'm trying to maintain. Yeah, guilty. Oh, dude, you, aren't man. we all? We right? literally just talked about that on the last episode. I was kind of having like some problems with balancing things and just literally had the same frustration. Dude, it's hard. It's very hard. It's a lot. I literally like had to text this lady this week and she's like, hey, Justin, I haven't heard anything about the tennis clinics. Did I miss them? And I'm like man, I, I don't know how to tell her, like, I'm not going to be able to do them, but I'm going to be there for spring rec league, you know? Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll dive a, into that. That's for sure. a lot of commitment. Yeah. yeah for People sure. don't realize like from our, like we did a fall, we did fall ball this, this past year. And, you know, baseball is like a spring summertime thing. Mm -hmm. So fall ball is like the time where we can prioritize everything else. You know, you have nothing else going on outside of, you know, the job and the old lady and just day to day life. That adds a whole new realm, though. When you've got practices now weekly, you've got week weekend tournaments, so your weekends are taken up weekends now. Weekends are just you gone. could chalk. And then right now, I don't know about y'all, but I'm in like a wedding season's time frame right now, where it seems like every couple yep. weekends because you're or, old. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> either every either once a month, or once every two months, she's got a wedding, or I've got a wedding, or it's something to attend. You know, some kind yeah. of or a. a a pre-wedding event, whether yeah. it's, you know, the engagement party, something, mm -hmm. there's always something to go to. And I feel like a lot of times I end up missing out on it because we're coaching on the weekends. I feel, yeah. I feel shitty. Something has to be sacrificed. Something has you to have be to. put to the side. Yeah. And, and that goes back to talking about intentions, you know, where are your priorities? Mm -hmm. and so through work, we talk about that all the time. We just got this new software called money guide, which helps us analyze people's goals what they're trying to achieve. And it starts off with a my priorities review and you have your needs, your wants and your wishes and just labeling those out on where they would be on your scale. 10 to one, 10 being that's a need. That's my daily necessity. I have to have those things. And a one being your wishes, right? You still want to verbalize them. You want to write them down. You want to acknowledge your wishes. And if you're having to choose on your finances, of what takes priority and what I'm going to fund, would I give up a need in order to fund a wish? No, I would not. I can't, right? So you're seeing what you have to give up in order to make those things happen, but and you start at the top of your priorities list. Yeah. So you could be intentional, whether it's with your retirement or whether it's with funding your kid's education or whether it's saying yes and no to certain events in life, whether it's coaching, whether it's going out more, whether it's trying to have a weekly date night with your significant other, right? You got to be intentional with those things. And, you know, I'm trying to get better at it. I really am. Like, I can speak it. I feel like that's a big thing is speaking it and talking about it, but then going and actually sitting down yeah, and doing it. it. 
way harder, mm-hmm. way harder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do you, how do you feel? Because I'm lately, I've been more trying to get involved with like winning the day and like the small daily habits type of thing. How did, how important do you feel like that is in finance? Being like dealing with people's finances and like even your own. Hmm. Finances, you know, you definitely got to create a habit first and foremost. I think that it's not necessarily a winning little things in finances, definitely wanting to create good habits, good Mm. spending habits. So if you create a habit that isn't necessarily winning the day, but you get used to not spending extra money on one thing that you didn't need, or you get used to putting a certain amount towards savings, towards that goal that you created. So creating a habit in your mind that's long-term is certainly, in my opinion, the biggest part of finances and trying to save for those pieces. But for winning the day, hmm, I'm trying to think about little things that you could do every single day to try to win when you're thinking about retirement because... That's the goal at the end of the yeah. day. How early can I get out of the work environment? Yeah, yeah. To enjoy life and I, I guess stress. I guess my, my goal is like, don't think about it every single day. Realistically, when you're thinking about long-term retirement, I don't want to think about the little tiny things every single day. I want to make good habits that I'm not overspending or underfunding, but I've created habits because I think about these things at least once a week, right? Mm-hmm. So create time that you can think about your goals and your priorities, but set certain standards on that. When you're saying winning the day, I just, I don't necessarily think about my, my long-term finances with winning the day, but I do think about what's something that I can do that's productive. What's one thing that I can do that's going to make sure I help somebody else. Um, I don't know. That's a great question though. It really is. I'd say, I'd say from like my perspective, winning the day financially is like, how can I win the day while cutting something out of the picture? You know what I'm saying? Like for us, we Mm -hmm. like our coffee, right? Our frozen coffee in the morning. We're guilty. We're not every day, but pretty often, right? We're very guilty of that one. Could we still win the day and save that six bucks? That's how I I would say, what can you cut out financially of your day and still win the day is how you win the day financially. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? That would be my take on it. Yeah, that's a a very good point, right? And and that goes back to developing a habit so you don't have to think about that every single day, Mm -hmm. right? So I guess that's kind of the mindset I was creating is like making a habit that has to come from thinking about it every single day. So eventually you don't have to think about it every it's, single day. It's just a habit not to do it. Yeah. Like make, I make my coffee in the morning at the house instead of on the mm-hmm. way on the way to work. I grab a $6 coffee, you know, that little habits like that. Yeah. yeah. Meal prepping. That's a huge one. Yeah. Instead of going out, that adds up so quickly. That does. Yeah. I'm, that's, I that's noticed the difference. Things. We're mm-hmm. so bad about that too because we work on the go, yeah. right? We've got trailers. We've got jobs hours away mm-hmm. you're constantly moving how mm-hmm. are you supposed to eat lunch at home or yeah. have a we ain't got no a microwave in the trailer yeah yeah it's very true you know what i'm yeah, saying you're right you, yeah. you, we, we, what are you supposed to do bring your food hopefully like right there that's one of them hot cold uh things so you could put soup i don't know why you're drinking out of that but hey <laughs> if it works it works <laughs> the first thing i, grab. I didn't but, want like a goofy cup no no no, no. i hear yeah. you i hear you but that's like one of those hot cold yeah um, like canisters right. so like that's the only thing for work that yeah. really you know keeps your food right like food ready. No right, one wants right, to eat. Right. He's used to it from like the military being on a boat all the time. I was eating cold food like all the time. Every day. Pretty no much. problem. You eat whatever's yeah. there. I'm picky. <laughs> I'm picky, bro. My chicken fingers have to be warmed up. Oh, right? hey, I feel that. My chicken fingers have to be warmed up. Hey, dude, I tell you right Simple. now, I promise you there is something on Amazon that will warm your food up on yeah. the go. There are battery powered things that, or something that you could plug into your car very simply. <laughs> now, the question is, do you want to actually do that? Let's not forget, like you have an anomaly of a job how many people are doing what you do 
like on a scale, like percentage wise of workers out there. Most people have access to a microwave oh, yeah. somewhere in their sure. workplace. Maybe so. That they can heat up Maybe their so. food. But you're not wrong. Maybe so. <laughs> Maybe so. It, but ma- it, just hear me out. McDonald's for I'm just six bucks, you know, everybody gets a dollar cheeseburger. Yeah. That's so easy. I'm just that, imagining you right now just working on somebody's floorboards. They're coming in and be like, hey, can I borrow your microwave? Yeah, literally. No, I, that's me. That's oh, yeah. me. I will heat my food up before I eat it cold. I can't eat it. I will not eat it before I eat it cold. That's So look, I have a I have a pretty good question for you. We're talking about like good spending habits. Yeah. And you don't have to obviously say amounts or, you know, people. But as far as your clientele goes, what would you say some of the better habits that you've noticed from like your high dollar clients? stuff that's actually worked and like that's wor- that works life. for them you know like what kind of habits do they financially have cons- that you kind of notice that consistently lines up with you know your six figure saving your seven figure saving yeah. people yeah so so i don't usually dive into the little things with people about all the tiny little things that they're spending like if they're getting I, coffee in the morning kind right of deal. so more so i'll create a budget sheet off the very front end and I'll hand that to them. And I say, it's got all the different things listed out right there. It's talking about your utilities. It's talking about childcare. It's talking about your laundry that you spend in a dry cleaning. It's talking about your charitable donations. It's talking about your giving. It's talking about your FICA taxes. So it's pretty in-depth, right? And it's very simple. You tell somebody, say, look, there's two routes that you can take here. We're going to try to paint a picture for your budget that's realistically going to work. Mm-hmm. But the problem here is that I'm not the one making it. You are the one that has to paint this picture and we can either paint it with stick figures or we can paint it with watercolors. So the more detailed you want to go into this, cause you have to dive back into your budget and figure out what you're actually spending. So they take that and they build it out however they want to. And the ones that are legitimately doing what it the right say way, you're going to do versus what you actually do. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's two ways, right? You talk about accountability. So one of the things that I do in my practice is I connect people's checking accounts directly to the Edward Jones uh, you know, investing. So if someone connects their outside account, then I know what their net inflows are because I asked them for two pay stubs off the front end. And most people get paid biweekly, so I can get a good idea of their net inflows. And if I can track what their bank account is on the first day of the month, and we do that monthly for a year, and they tell me what their net inflows are, then I can get a good idea of what their net outflows are. And if that lines up pretty closely to their budget, then that means they're being realistic. So you ask me what the That's high net worth take. earners are doing, they're actually being realistic with their budget. They're inside of that. And the ones who are not six-figure savers, I see that they're not being accountable with themselves. Mm -hmm. And the ones who aren't six-figure savers as well, they don't want to connect their accounts. They don't want someone Uh, to keep themselves accountable. Yeah, Not everybody's going to do it. That's good. So you don't have to do it with an advisor by any means. You could do it with yourself. You could very easily track your own budget. What was my checking account at on day one of the month, every single month, what did my budget sheet say that I was going to be spending? How much were my net inflows? What was it by the end of the month? And you do that repetitive and you figure out if you're actually being realistic with your budget. So you do that, you create a good habit, you find out where the little weeds are and you find that you're overspending and you dive back into it. What was it? Why did I overspend that month? How can what I cut was that it? down? How can I cut that down? You talk about the little oh, things right there. Oh, we got right takeout there. seven times in the last oh, two well, weeks. So I wonder why we spent $400, you know? <laughs> there it goes, you yeah, know? Start we did like, meal prep. Start with like, like a rocket money type app, you know, where yeah. it just Something simple. lists your subscriptions, right? It lists all your subscriptions and it tells you what it is that you're repetitively spending on or it groups it and organizes it into different discretionary spending items. So... 
There's different ways to do Categorizes it. it. Absolutely. That's awesome. It doesn't need to be in-depth. People always think that it's got to be something crazy, right? you got to go all into the weeds. It's not that hard. It's just keeping yourself accountable. Accountable. Mm-hmm. Maintaining, like, leverage on yourself, essentially. Not letting yourself fall behind. How many people realistically pickle? want an accountability partner? They say not they many. want it. Not many. <laughs> A lot of them like, oh, yeah, I need somebody that's going to keep me accountable. I need somebody that's going to hold me to my own. And then somebody says, all right, I'm going to hold you to your own. I'm like, ah, no, I'm good. They find that person, whether it's like a business partner or yeah. like a relationship status with like a female for us. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, mm, not interested mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. But you'll see that, man, like high value people want people that can be held accountable. Yeah. And I think you'll see that a lot of times with like, I feel like as like a high value guy, I know my girl's not, my girl's high value as well. So she's not scared of being held accountable. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But a, a different kind of chick might run off. Like there's, you know, there's certain things like, look at your girl, for example, so able to be held accountable, right? Yeah. Maintains her job. No doubt. Like super nice to you. Everything I've ever learned about Maddie, bro. She's awesome. Yeah. You know, I've never gotten a bad read on Maddie ever. So it's like you, you find certain people in your life and then you, you match those things. But at the same time, if, if you're not on the accountable side, you think your, your partner's going to be accountable no. or you think they're going to kick you to the curb because, Hey, that guy can't be held accountable. I don't, I'm not going to associate with that. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. and that's a that's the importance of your table. That's literally because who you surround yourself with, your group of friends, the group of people that you associate with on a day to day basis. That's gonna be how you like your cash inflows, cash outflows. That it's it's a networking inflow, networking outflow. It's the same mentality there. It might not be a direct dollar tied to it. Yep. There's definitely a, a relationship, the PR status, you know, right. personal relationships. That's that's extremely important on just developing you know, the relationships to be able to maintain accountability, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I'm big on having the right people. Cause a lot of times, man, you don't get out. I don't get out of bed with jumping up for joy every day, but when my guys show up and they're like, let's get it today. It's like, it's easy to be on it. Yeah, It's easy to get up to, mm-hmm. you know, and then vice versa. They might show up and be kind of sleepy. And I'm like, Whoa! like this morning, <laughs> that was me literally on the way to the, yeah. on the way to the gun shooting yeah. range this morning. I'm just yeah. screaming. And it's like, okay, it's hard to be in a bad mood when Absolutely. somebody's like that, you know, you know, it, 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 it's so crazy how you say that right there. It's, it's so important to put the right people on your team that are going to continue to motivate you because, you know, we're both in a job where no one's breathing down our necks to tell us what we got to do. Mm. and when We got to do it. We tell ourselves when we got to do and when we got to do it, we make and we eat what we kill. It's very simply, right? Yes, yeah, uh, I, like, th- I like that. You know, and, and, and it's, it's great. It's important, right? But we also are self-motivated and self-driven individuals. So if we're not driven, we're not motivated, then we're not going to bring anything in. You can't have a job or, you you know, we're, we're not in that kind of job where you show up and you're like, okay, well, where's the to-do list? There is no to-do list. You got to create the to-do list. You can't right? be you in the wild. You can't be in the wild and expect not to hunt. You know, if you want to go get fed, go to the cage. Yeah. Go be, you know what I'm saying? Go to the cage and let somebody feed you dinner every night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's if a lot you, of jobs that are like there, that. Yeah. If you, but if you want to live in the wild, you got to be ready to hunt. It's that simple, bro. It's very true. And that's like, I'd say be that, you know, that analogy being in the wild is like kind of what we consider like escaping the matrix, right? Like getting out of that, that like very structured where you have, you'll be working till you're 65, so you 70. the triangle I do. Yeah. Where, where, yeah, where you're like, where you're very structured and you I don't, and you, yeah, literally, and you don't really have any say so on like your, how you, you know, everything's pretty much, and I'm sure you have clients like that, that are stuck in that, that, you know, that cycle of I've got to work until I'm 65 yeah. or 70 just to be able to retire with 
something. Yeah. You know, and make it to the. I, to I had the, the end. weirdest appointment today. I had this client, and she works for Intuji, and she is on track for retirement. She's about to turn fifty-five, and she's doing all the right things. Her kid is eleven years old. She's the breadwinner in her family. Her husband's still working. He's two years older than her. And I put together this proposal for her, looking at her retirement in April and taking the pension and setting up health care because it was a big proposal right here, talking about the health care retiree medical act she gets through her company, switching to someone else, going back to Medicare, using the Affordable Care Act. There were a lot of little things in the income stream we were trying to put together here. And ultimately, it said she was on track and ready to retire and achieve all the goals and needs, wants, and wishes that she wanted to by retiring at the end of this year. And I thought in my head, man, I'm so excited to see that look on her face and have her say, yes, I'm going to retire at 56. And she's like, what happens if we move that bar to 60? Can we move it up, right? She wanted to keep working. She wanted to keep working. I'd never seen anything like that. And realistically, I'd never had that where I had set someone up to do all the things they want to do in a good quality proposal. And it doesn't hurt me, obviously. Like I'm a, not, a nice quality lifestyle. Yeah, she had what she wanted and she needed, and she still wanted to keep working. And I couldn't figure out why, but that goes back to how different people are wired, right? You know, she very clearly finds purpose in what she does. And retirement is scary because you are closing one chapter and opening up a new chapter when realistically, you have done a lot of things. Your energy level is not the same. Your kids are moved out. You have to go out there and create that new to-do list. Yeah. It's hard. Retiring is tough. Golf. That's why retirees golf every day. Yeah. yeah. You got to do, do something. something. challenge yeah. you a little you got bit, membership man. at the tennis club. Ooh. I'm a golf member. They all at the country club, man. Oh, yeah. But that was, like, very eye-opening for me today, right? You know, going back into it's like, wow, you know, do you want to retire? And not everybody does. Not everybody went and I enjoy working like genuinely. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure I'll get to a point where I'm, I don't, you, yeah. know, you know, but as of now, like I wouldn't want to be, you know, just you know, cash flowing enough to not have to do anything. You know, one day you're, you're going to end up going into mentoring, right? When you're done with working, you know, you're never going to stop working, working, yes. you know, you'll mentor and you'll develop and you'll lead others to do what you've done. That's the best thing about it is working hard, developing a career, doing the things that you want to do and then finding someone else who's driven and reminds you of yourself when you were in that spot. I think yeah. that both of y'all are definitely going to be doing that. As, you know, probably right, right now. You we're know, already like doing right. with our baseball kids. Yeah, you're already yeah. doing those yeah. things. And it's yeah. just going to be a constant flow because it makes you feel good about yourself. And it makes you feel like you're making a real genuine it's difference. to give back. Yeah. I think, you know? like, one thing that I gain out of coaching, I think it's probably all of us, is it makes you have to be accountable. Yeah. Because when Absolutely. you're when you're on that pedestal, you're in that spotlight, you can't – if you tell a kid, hey – like, even though we're facing adversity with whatever we're doing, like, we still have to be able to make the plays. Like, when we would have our kids crying, bro, after striking out, having to tell them, like, hey, dude, we're good. Like, come on, let's go. Let's yeah. worry about the next pitch, oh, yeah. all that stuff. And, like, whenever we have a challenge a day later, like a personal challenge or whatever, it's like, hey, dude. Like, we'll look at each other sometimes yeah. and be like, hey, bro, just, like, just keep yeah. pushing. Yeah, just you know? Happens. You know? Keep, hey, he'll throw us Eventually, we're going to get the call. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I played tennis, because the bat was a lot bigger. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I kept exactly. striking out. <laughs> Man, you know, and it's crazy, because you just talk about the give back and what that feels like and how much better you feel reciprocating that energy, right? You know, I, I had this little – I have a cousin, right? So um, I got engaged in September, by the way. So I took my fiancé to Italy – 
and um, we got engaged in Sorrento. Uh, we were in Positano when we actually did it, but um, I was preparing to rent a vehicle out there, which was stupid, first of all. Like, do not drive on the coast of Italy. It is a horrible, horrible idea. <laughs> Take public transportation because the you know, the, the, the road is like this. Oh, Literally God. back and mm-hmm. forth and back and forth. And it's so narrow and you're on the edge. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But Sketchy. everybody is right up against each other. You've got these little Vespas driving in between you, <laughs> begging for you to just rip them. Yeet out. Huh? Oh, dude, they're everywhere. They're just swerving through traffic like no one's business. So anyways, besides the point here, I was going to rent a vehicle. So I went on Hertz, and I'm like, okay, what can I rent? And it says everything's stick shift. I'm like, well, shit, I don't know how to drive stick shift. And so what do I do? Definitely going off the coast if I do that. If you know me and anybody who knows me, I'm very meticulous. I have to have a plan. It has to go according to plan. When I set something out, it's got to go to plan. And if it doesn't, then it's going to ruin everything for me. I'm going to get very, very upset. So my plan to propose to her was that we were going to go. Yeah, I had an itinerary for it. Big itinerary guy. So like the, the whole setup for it was we moved into our house in Kenner, and we had nothing in the house but a little fold-up white table. So we went to Ollie's, the discount store, to go do something that night because we didn't have any furniture, we didn't have a bed, but, you know, we want to stay in the house. You know, we, we want to stay there, and and it's the, for our first night in the house. So we're like, what are we going to do tonight? We're going to drink some wine, and we're going to do a jigsaw puzzle tonight. Mm-hmm. So we go to Ollie's discount store, and we get a jigsaw puzzle, and the jigsaw puzzle was a photo by David McLean. David McLean makes these really nice pictures of all these different countrysides and beautiful artwork. And the jigsaw puzzle was the Amalfi Coast by David McLean. So that was the first thing we did together was we filled out that jigsaw puzzle. And so when we booked the trip to Italy, I told her, I said, wouldn't it be nice if we got some professional pictures? And we took the pictures in the same place that that picture was that we did in the jigsaw. Mm, And so I found the spot that most realistically looked like that area. Um, I don't know if you've seen my engagement pictures. I'll show them to you in a second. Mm, You've seen my engagement pictures. Um, But we found the area, and I booked a photographer, and I told her, I said, that's what we're going to do. So in my head, what I was going to do, I was like, okay, we'll get there really, really early, like like 6.30 a.m. when the sun's rising, because it's a very popular part of Italy. Because as soon as 7.30, 8 o'clock comes, it gets flooded with people. There's no way. Oh, yeah. It's just a very, very popular part. So if we get there early, we might get there first. We could take the pictures. It'll have the sun rising in the background. It'll be great. So um, so I'm like, okay, so how am I going to play this? Because we're staying in Sorrento. I'll rent a car. We'll drive to Positano. And then I'm going to surprise her with an Airbnb and Amalfi. We'll stay there that night. And then we'll drive back and I'll get the car up. So in my head, that's my perfect plan that's going to work. And then it's telling me all they have a stick shift. I'm like, shit. Well, I guess I got to learn how to drive stick. <laughs> you know oh, God. YouTube, YouTube. Nothing oh, in my man. head said, okay, maybe I should don't look up that. alternative yeah, public transportation to make it work. I got to <laughs> learn how to drive stick. <laughs> so I go to Livingston Parish where my grandpa lives. All my family is from French Settlement, by the way, on my dad's side. Okay. So uh, I go to Livingston Parish, and my, my grandpa's got this, like, 1992 Ford truck. It's only got, like, 20,000 miles on it because he never drives it. But that thing is old as life. And he drives stick. And it's like an old, old stick where, like, the gear is all jacked yeah. up. It, you have to shove that thing to make it move. And I'm like, if I could drive that thing, I could drive anything. And uh, not realizing, you know, like, once again, Louisiana, very flatland. Yeah. Anywhere else. Easy work. Very, like, hilly. So I'm like, ah, I could do it for sure. So I go over there, and I'm, like, learning to drive stick. And, like, I still remember, like, I can, like, visually see it so perfectly. Me, like, at a stop sign. 
not try, not being able to to get the clutch and the gear to work with me. And this this like sixteen year old girl pulling up in a Mustang, rolling down her window, saying, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Just kill me, just, just fucking kill True me." True embarrassment. That was so embarrassing. Such embarrassing. a bad look for me right there. And I like finally get back to the house. I'm like, "All right, well, we're not doing this. I'm not getting a car." Thankfully, they ended up having an automatic vehicle, so it all worked out in our favor. But uh, So that's why I went to Livingston, and I took my little cousin back with me to New Orleans because his sister is like a stud softball player. She's got offers from LSU, Mississippi State, Auburn, Alabama. She's like a stud softball player. She goes to Doyle. She's just a freak athlete. So they go on all these tournaments. Y'all know how tournament yeah, ball yeah, is. It's crazy. Y'all Every, are always everywhere. traveling. Yeah. So my little cousin Brock, he's a beast. Love Brock. And so me and Brock and my grandpa are hanging out at the house, and I knew that his parents and his sister were flying back in from a tournament in California that night. And so I'm talking to my grandpa. I was like, well, what's y'all's plan? They're like, well, they're going to come back in. They're going to take Brock home. I was like, I'll take Brock. And Brock's like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, we're gonna go with Justin. It's gonna be great. I'm like, yeah, dude, yeah, come back with me, and then I'll just give you know give you your parents whenever they land in the airport because my house is like five three minutes, minutes from the yeah. five minutes from the airport. Very very Super close. close. Uh, very clutch, by the way. I love yeah. that part of it. So I take him, and you know, I'm messing with him, and uh, I'm like, dude, we're gonna get home, and we're gonna do so many chores, man. We're gonna we're gonna clean the dishes before Maddie gets back in town because she was out of town that weekend, and we're gonna do some gardening, bro. And he's like, yeah, let's do some gardening. Let's go, let's go shopping. I'm like, all right, sweet. And so we get home, and, uh, and I do a couple, I make him do a couple things. I'm like, hey, you got you to spray and wash these things real quick, or else Maddie's going to be real mad. He's like, okay, I got it. And I'm like, you got to water these plants, or else Maddie's going to be real mad. And he's, like, he's doing it, and he's like so pumped up. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, that's enough. So let's, let's go to the store. And, uh, and I take him to the arcade instead, you know, <laughs> take him to the arcade. So I'm like, man, what we, we, we live in life. Sh- yeah. We, we got to make a shopping list, bro. Yeah. And so he's like talking, he's like, all right, okay, we gotta get this. We gotta get this. We gotta whatever. Get and, uh, and, you know, he's not even whatever in me. He's like, he's like excited to go shopping with me. It's crazy. <laughs> he's just happy to be yeah. with you. So, uh, yeah, he was just happy to be there. It was so awesome. So I pull up into this big old arcade. Uh, I forget the name of it, but it's like the biggest, baddest arcade in like all of greater new Orleans. And uh, I think it's called Game On in Kenner. It's huge. It's like bowling alley, laser tag, arcade, everything. And I pull in the parking lot. I'm like, so we're here. He's like, is this Home Depot? He's like, um, it is close to the Home Depot. It's like yes, next yes, door yes. to it? It's not. Yes, it is. Right, exa- right yeah, next to I've Home been, Depot. I know exactly where you're talking about. You know about. what I'm talking I know, about. I've seen it. I've literally, I've literally right looked there. at him and been like, you trying right to there. go to the arcade instead? <laughs> <laughs> like pulling in the Home Depot. So, yeah. <laughs> Bro, it's like really nice. Like very nice arcade. Just sitting there in Kendall, Louisiana. Why not? Hey, so I pull up in the parking money. lot and he's like, wait, this isn't Walmart. I'm like, no, it's not. He's like, dude, no way. Let's go. No way. And so I, I put like a $50 bill in and like give him a little, little like little card. I'm like, all right, just go play whatever you want, right? You know, just go crazy. He's like, all right, let's do it. So we play like two like little, little shooting games and like, you know, the hoops game. And then you ever seen that game where like you, you put the card in? It's, it's, a, it's clearly like, like a gimme. Like, like you get ripped. You get like 20 tickets. You drop a ball and it lands in one of the yeah. holes, the ticket yeah. holes. And then like there's a second layer where it's like but you I'm get a, a jack prize, you know, a, a prize, big prize. And then like there's one little hole in the top that's like, like bubbled up that like you yeah. can't get the ball. It's in. almost yeah, impossible. It's literally impossible. I've never seen it happen. No, right? So anyways, you know, that one's like the super jackpot and it, it resets every time somebody wins the jackpot. So no one's won the jackpot on there in like, I don't know how long. Like the jackpot was so high. 
Dude's first bounce hits it. Oh, wow. First bounce wow. hits the mega jackpot <laughs> on this impossible game. And it's not a ticket machine where tickets come out. It just starts loading how many tickets you've won. So we're there for two hours. The machine shuts down because it's counting tickets the entire time Jesus. that we're there. It counted so many tickets Jeez, that we had to leave, true. go get dinner, and then come back to see if it was done counting tickets. So, so I'm, I'm getting to the end of the story. I'm sorry for how long drawn <laughs> out it was, but, uh, but, but I still love it, man. So we go back, and he's got like 20-some thousand tickets that he's about to buy. I'm like, bro, you're like close to being able to get a PlayStation with these tickets, yeah, man. Like- so he's getting all these different things, and he still has like, like a thousand-something tickets. There's a lot of tickets left over. He's like, dude, I don't want anything else. And so I'm looking around, I'm like, hey, here's what I want you to do. See those two kids over there who are like picking out, you know, uh, little little suckers and, and little tiny rings. I want you to take your card and I want you to go give it to that little girl. That's what he did. He took his card. He went over there. He's like, "Hey, do y'all do y'all need some more tickets?" And the little kids were like screaming. They were so happy, and and he, they got you know so excited. And they were so thankful. And me and Brock leave, and he's not talking about any of the stuff he got. He's like, "Dude, did you see how happy they were?" how excited they were, how awesome that was. And then whenever I drop him off to my parent, you know, to his parents and he's like putting all the toys in, they're like, they're like, golly, look at all the stuff you got. And he's like, but, but like I gave these other kids yeah. the tickets and they were so happy. They were so excited. It was the coolest Way thing better. ever. Way better. That's what he was talking about. He was not talking about all the toys and all the games that he won. He was more excited about the tickets that he was able to give. And I bet you if he did it again, I bet you he'd give even more. I bet you he'd yeah. start collecting them on little cards and start giving them out like candy. <laughs> like, like candy. you get some tickets and you yeah. get some tickets because <laughs> that's what it's about, dude. It's a way better feeling. Way better It's feeling. A, such a better dopamine drop and, you know, just a better overall, just so much better, bro. The yeah. feeling of, of giving over receiving, 100 times better. Yeah. So yeah. much better. Absolutely. I think that's... What are we at? A little under an hour. A little under an hour? Yeah. We're doing pretty good. Then. What's y'all's goal here? What's Usually about an hour. That's hour. What like at. with ourselves, usually an hour, but with the guests, it can go like an hour and a half. I know you said you had somewhere to be at some point tonight. What time did you say you had to be somewhere? Well, originally, I was supposed to go watch my mom play tennis at 7.30. Let me see what Maddie said, if Maddie's coming in town or not. I was about to say, I know we've got dinner um, reservations in a little bit. So You do? Yeah. Oh, shit. What time? 7.30. That's fine. Uh, we can hop off like whenever 10, you're ready, 10, brother. Yeah, we got about 10 more minutes. We're That's good. cool with me. So I kind of about like the giving back thing. Like, obviously, we give a lot with, like, coaching. But I, I another question, actually. What do you think is, like, the biggest challenge you had to face, like, coaching little, like, little kids? Yeah. Like, coaching. Like, the biggest where you're, like, leaving every day saying, damn, this is not as easy as I thought it was going to be. A kid that's bad, like a kid who's like genuinely bad at the sport because it's hard to motivate them. Uh-huh. Like that is hard as a coach because you've got a kid who's really, really bad and you want nothing more than to see them get back up and try and try and try again. And eventually you know that they're going to do it and they're going to do it right. But some of them just don't. And that's a fact. It happens. And to motivate a kid who continually fails, 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 fails again, and you continue to feed into them, you continue to feed it in, and you continue to motivate, and you're really just hoping that eventually it'll come and they'll win that point or they'll win that match or they'll hit that ball, whatever, and it doesn't come about. As a coach, that's really, really hard, really, really hard to bear on yourself because you want them and you hope that they'll continue to try. So I think that's the hardest part yeah. for me personally is trying to find that extra push for the ones that are like really, really, really struggling. We had a few moments like that. Yeah, I, 
I think you almost have to be delusional as a, you have to be just be so faithful that it's going to work all the time. <laughs> Cause if not, if you had that inch of doubt, like we had, we had a lot of kids who would like cry, who would take themselves out of games mentally when they weren't doing their best and having to just be like, Hey dude, we're good. Fine. Or if we're, if there's like a skill where like, we're not fielding a ground ball, right. We're not tracking down a ball, right. Being like so delusional that like you will do it. Stop thinking you won't stop saying you won't stop saying you suck. Stop saying this. Stop acting They're like bad that. about that. I'm yeah. so, I'm, I suck. I'm, I'm terrible. But then kind of like once you break through that wall and they finally track down the ball, right? They finally like stop stepping out. They start like stepping in, actually like doing the things that you tell them to do. And it finally clicks. Yep. It's such like a, yeah. It's like, like a, breath, a eureka type of A breath of, of relief. Isn't it nice when that happens? Like, and, and, and you're asking the challenge, like, what if it, what if it just doesn't happen? You know, see, don't tell us that. See, <laughs> no, see, see. That's, that's the thing. Like with us, we push so hard that we've never had a moment where like something didn't. Yeah. yeah. I was you about know? to say, cause we've made progress on every step. Right. So yeah. every time we've had a goal, we've met that goal. You know, the, the, I guess was, the, the, that was nice. The difference with tennis is that it's literally one-on-one, you know, it's yeah. you against the other person. So mm-hmm. someone who's the worst, yeah, right? There's no, yeah. And it, it's hard to be the worst at that sport. It's a very mentally draining sport. If you talk about, People who play very competitive tennis, it is more of a mental game than a physical game. Ten out of ten times, you lose to yourself. No questions asked because you might very well be a much better player. And it's with baseball too, and it's with basketball, and it's with football, it's with soccer. Every sport's a mental game. But when you're going one on one, just like golf, it's you against that ball. Yeah, yeah. you against that yeah. ball. That's you know, true. so the kid that. Maybe they got the stroke in, right? But the other kid has also been working hard too. Yeah. And they also got that second stroke in. And you're hoping that they get two strokes in a row. And maybe you're asking yeah. for too much on yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah. It's hard when That's we do fun. match play too, because, right, you know, like like you want the parents to come out and watch their kids like ball out on match play day. <laughs> and like they're just really not. And you're like just coaching them through. It. Like, you got it, guys. Come on, man. Yeah. Keep pushing. I think it was, it was for me, last year was my first year coaching, and it was kind of awkward being able to think, like, okay, I can be tough on this kid. The parents won't think anything. Because it's weird, right? It's weird being having someone else's kid and, like, coaching them, being, like, a mentor, being, like, a giver to them. You know, but now, like, once we've gotten comfortable, I'm sure you probably had, like, a similar thing, maybe. Some kids at that point, you know how like you get close with some of the kids' parents and like yeah. you feel like you can help the kid a little bit more because their parents and you are more, kind of under, like on an understanding and you kind of have an understanding of how that home is structured mm-hmm. and you know how to approach the kid. Yep, I agree. So there's definitely a, there's such a benefit to coaching though. I say that all the time. We, we the, the pros of coaching as far as like what you get out of it is so beneficial just to your day-to-day life. Yep. I, what we learn and how we can function at work and how the teamwork, the camaraderie, the mentality of not quitting, all of that translates over. Whether we're coaches or whether the kids or whether they go to school and they have that same mentality with their homework of like just get it done. Yep. You know, that all it all translates. Sports is such a minute life. Mm-hmm. And when you it's like a minute example of life. Mm-hmm. And so when you replicate that, whether it's tennis or baseball or football, and you can get into a world where it's like, okay, we're meshing, I'm making like I'm it's like a well oiled machine. Mm-hmm. That translates into the real world. Yep. It very, very directly. Absolutely. The best guys who are usually a captain on a ba- on a sporting team usually end up being pretty successful long term in life. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just what it is. I'd love to see a stat on that. Like yeah. you're just average high school, you know, team captain. 
what they how how many of them make like upper of like 60 to 70k a year yeah you know it's hard to say right because you can do two things with that captainship and that leadership position for sure either grow on it or you can live in that moment and never develop yourself further so it's probably an anomaly i bet you there's a very very like if there was a stat right there you'd probably see a very wide array of 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 high net worth earners very low and then very low net worth earners like you're i bet you there's not a big school yeah there's a lot of people like that there's a lot of peakers and there's a lot of people who develop themselves and learn the right like i always say it's like this you know like the c student who studies hard always does better than the a student who never studies that's true you know and and you become a captain by being really really good at this sport instead of being becoming a captain who you know, clearly developed themselves as a leader on that side. The captain who developed themselves as a leader that wasn't necessarily the best player always, but clearly showed leadership qualities, that's the one that's going to be successful in life rather than the star player who was just really, really good. And they weren't necessarily a leader, but they were the captain because they were really, really good. I bet you that's the big difference. What kind of captain were you? Okay. I think one thing that I've kind of realized in the last couple of years, like truly, is that a lot of times... I would rather have someone who's never had success. When you talk about like employee, friend, what like player, any any aspect of life, I would rather have someone who's never experienced success, never been like the most successful, but has been through like those trials, those tribulations, the trauma, whatever, and like still kept pushing. Yep. Because like the C student, right? You might have like busted your ass and only pumped out like C's, but you've you've been like pushing. You're you used got to the work ethic. Through. But someone who just has had no trouble no challenges, no trauma, no nothing, and they've only done good, like, have you only done good or have you just never been tested? Yeah. I say that all the time when we talk about betting on sports. It's like, dude, I don't know. Like, I just feel like they're not tested. I don't I don't like, you know, putting money they're on They're not a battle-tested team. Yeah, they're not battle-tested. Same thing. Yeah. Kind of like with life, right? Like, when we talk about filling the table, I, I don't necessarily want someone who, when it comes to, like, the nitty-gritty of life, I don't want someone who's not been, like, battle-tested because – when things really matter, the only thing that really matters is like, is someone going to stick around when things are tough? Because yep. anybody could be this cool guy. Anybody could be like this or that whenever everything's good, whether it's sports, business, friendships, relationships, anything. Yep. Who's going to yeah. stand in the rain with you when they can stand in, under some cover? Yeah. You know? It's hard. It's hard when you have somebody who's not battle tested, but no one else is willing to let them go into battle. Right? That's you got to think about it from that side, too. Maybe you could be the person that gives them battle experience, the yeah. person that's going to help them learn how to be better, learn how to – because you got to develop somebody. you got to find somebody who's coachable, plain and simple. If you find somebody – like it's like, like prospecting for baseball. You're not necessarily looking for the best player there, somebody who has been there that has played against the best players all the time and that has been in the battle or whatever you want to call it on that side for baseball. You want someone who is willing to learn, excited about what they do, is coachable and is willing to try things that maybe they've never done before. So there's two sides to it right there. You can be a leader and a mentor, or you could find someone that you want who has stood their ground continuously. And, and I think about like, you know, I'm sorry, how much time we have left? We got to, we got to hop like, off this thing like soon. Five minutes or so. Yeah, five yeah. minutes. I, I was just going to relate it back to investing real quick. It's just, yeah, that's, you a, know, the, that's a good the, way to, the best fund over the last five years is not necessarily the best fund over the next five years, right? You might have somebody or a fund that was really, really quality in the last three quartiles. It beat its benchmark consistently over the last five years. That does not mean it's going to beat its benchmark over the next five years. Mm. So looking at someone who is battle-tested and continually proven themselves does not mean that they're going to prove themselves going forward. True. 
but there's a bunch of different parameters there. I, I agree from a lot of different sides. You got to feel somebody out in yeah, order to figure yeah. out what kind of person everybody's there. You know, everybody's different. Yeah. So you, you definitely have to, because some of the biggest quote unquote, like savages I've ever met were people that weren't really, you know, quote unquote battle tested. Yeah. They, but they were itching for an opportunity like that. Like I dare somebody to, you know, quote unquote, test me if you want to say, mm. you know, <laughs> like we had a we had a tryout for a couple of spots in our team and seeing kids who had the same skill level as guys we already had or even maybe a little better but knowing what we went through and seeing some, like like one example we had at our world series in Tennessee one of our kids got rocked by a baseball when he was pitching Oof. and shouldn't have went back in the game right but he like he's like no coach I want it and it's like how do you how do you kick someone off the team who is like we're not kick him off the team, but how do you but take like, him out of this? You can't, you can't, it's a moment of, of opportunity, if anything, for him to fight that. through that. No, yep. you can't that's adversity. That. Yeah, and that's what I mean by, like, I want that kid. Even yeah. if we find someone who's better on paper, like, you can't, you can't, teach, you can't grit. teach that. I can't agree. teach grit. Yeah, you can't. It's not, it's not, we a, were like, it's not a characteristic. There's kind of, like, off topic, but there's not a lot of moments where we'll put a kid, like, at risk. And he, we shouldn't have had him on the field, but he was like, no. Like, being very, like, no, coach. I'm not coming out. Yeah, I'm not coming out. And to me, it's hard to take him out. It's hard to, you know. And that's kind of like in life, right? Business, whatever. If someone's, like, pushing through something that they shouldn't be pushing through. Or they're in a tough spot, and they're like, you're not going to stop me. I'm going to keep pushing through this. I'm not going to quit. No doubt. You know? It's just about a lot of times people don't fail. They just don't. They just never got to the point of seeing it through. Mm. Like, you know, it's just they quit before they – they don't fail. You just quit too soon. You just didn't. You quit before you could finish, mm-hmm. and that, that's all failure is. It's yep. just uh, the idea of quitting. I agree. Yeah, I I think I got like one question for me for you, is if you, if I came to you right and I had like a couple thousand dollars, how would I, how would <laughs> you would go about me setting me up for, like retirement success or even what would you tell him to make like his best play? Yeah. Is that what is that what it's for? Is it for retirement success? The, the question is, what's the purpose of the money? What's yeah, the goal true. for the money? Is it a short term goal? Are you looking to use it in the near future? Do you want to spread it out through a different, a few different uh, buckets? What, Five grand is not much to, to spread either. Right, yeah. it's not a lot to spread. You know, but yeah. that's always the question. People are like, "Where would you? If I gave you a hundred thousand dollars right now, or if I give you a million dollars, or ten thousand, we'll whatever say like it is, long term, we'll say someone who's like twenty. 21, 22, or yeah. even like mid 20s. They gave you five grand. Yeah. Roth IRA, no questions asked. Very simply. S and P 500 index, VOO, put it in a Roth IRA. Don't touch it. Don't look at it. This shit will be at over a million dollars. This is like a, a conversation I could go on for like way, way longer talking about yeah, why clearly, clearly, the yeah. Roth is so powerful. I could do a whole nother podcast on simply finance tips uh-huh. and why I think that the Roth is so powerful. And we'll how have to get to you invest. back. We'll have to get you yeah, back. Yeah, too. yeah. One of these days. I, if I'll leave you with this, right? So, quick question, right? So, today, the highest marginal tax bracket, the highest federal tax bracket. Do y'all know what it is percentage wise? It's 37%. Okay. That's the highest federal tax bracket that you can be in. It starts at 10. That's the lowest. And then 12, 22, 24, 34, 37. Okay. So if you're making over $600,000 a year, then you're in the 37% tax bracket. It's a big number. It's the highest you could be in. All right. What do you think the highest tax bracket in America in the last hundred years has been right now it's 37 percent. that's a lot of money government's taking 37 percent of like your 29. money 29 
So you think that right now is the highest it's ever been? Probably. You think that right now is the highest it's ever been? That the government's ever taken? I would yeah, say of your of your money. Maybe, maybe. I would say no. Maybe in like the Obama era, in like 07, it might have been in the 40s. Yeah. I was, yeah. I would, that would be my bet. Maybe the depression. I'm not sure I what only era, imagine I would say like, it's been I'd only imagine it was like financial crisis moments. Go ahead. Tell me. The answer is 94%. The answer is 94%. Look it up. Highest marginal tax bracket in American history. I'll pull it up so you know that I'm not. Actually, I don't, I don't need to because I know we're this podcast. We were at the end of World War II. Okay. For one year, the highest marginal tax bracket was 94%. The following 15 years, it was 91%. After that, it was 80% and then 70%. The point is that we are in a historically low tax bracket. And I can dive into the details on that as to why that is why it was so high. At that time, we had high inflation. We just got out of war. There was a recession. We had uh, crazy interest rates, international warfare. Our, 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 our economy was in turmoil. Our infrastructure was jacked up. Does that sound anything similar to what's going on? Uh, yeah. Today? Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> the point is, right, we were definitely in a very, and I'm not saying we're ever going to go back to 94%. I'm not saying that by any means. We not even close. But point is, we have all those things that we just talked about. We were at the end of the war, too, and we're definitely in the midst of a potential World War III. Yeah. You know, like yeah. That's very, very that's possible. That's a whole other podcast. It's a whole other podcast. But the point is here, all those things that led to an incredibly high federal tax bracket are very, very here, very possible. And you need to add on that we're $35 trillion in debt. Yeah. And if true. you were, okay, so think about it like this. If you were in your house and the sewage got fucked up in the house and your house just started getting flooded with shit, would you A, raise the roof of the house or would you B, clear out the shit? Clear out the shit. Well, America just keeps raising the roof. Yeah, here we are. We just keep raising the federal debt roof. We raise that debt ceiling year after year after year, and it keeps building. By 2026, our interest on the debt in America will be higher than our national defense budget. Just the interest will be higher than our national defense budget. So I bring it back to here. There's a podcast. Sorry, it's, it's it's a book. It's also a movie, and it's a podcast. It's called The Power of Zero. The tax train is coming. Uh, it's very, very realistic as to why taxes are going to go up. It, you can do your research. But think about it like this. If I have my money, there's two routes I can use. It. And so many people put money pre-tax in their 401k. And it's so unfortunate that they're not educated. Because if we're in a 37% tax bracket and we think that taxes are going to go up, then you should not put your money pre-tax. If I have $100. Tax that. Don't tax what I'm going to have. Well, think about it like this. If I got $100 and I don't pay taxes on that and my money makes 10%, I have $110 now. If at the time taxes are 20% and I want to take my money out, I pay 20% of my 110, I end up with $88. Well, that's okay? you invested. Right? Hold up. So you got 88 versus the Roth side, you tax it first. You have 80 bucks now. You paid 20% of your 100 bucks. You lost 20 bucks. So you're at 80 bucks. You make 10% on that. You end up with $88. Roth and pre-tax are the exact same thing. They end up being the exact same number mm-hmm. unless taxes change. So if taxes change, that's where the difference gets made. Because if I do Roth and taxes present day are 20%, well, I know that taxes are 20% right now. I've taxed my money and every dollar going forward is 100% tax-free. That's mine. Taxes could go up to 94%. Mm-hmm. I don't care. 
because I already taxed my money. That continues to grow tax-free. Versus the other side, let's say you got 100 bucks and it grows by 10%. Now you got $110. But now taxes have gone from 20% to 25%. Well, now you're not just paying 25% on the money you put in. You're also paying 25% on the money you made. Yeah. So if you pay 25% on that $110, you now only end up with $82.50. So in the Roth, you had 88. In the pre-tax, you had 82.50. That's just a 5% increase. I very well personally, right? No one knows. I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not a tax expert. I just know enough to be dangerous. I would say <laughs> that taxes could very easily go by 20 or 30% in the future. Yeah. I mean, think about it. They have been much, much higher. And we are in incredible debt. They got to fund Social Security. They got to fund Medicare. They got to fund the Affordable Care Act because people will die without those. And we have to find a way to fund those. They're going to tax people more aggressively. They're going to take out certain loopholes that business owners can use to deduct things. It will happen. It's it's the future. At some point, it will happen, right? It's a matter of time. So, so... Uh, sorry for taking so much on that. Like I said, no. I could dive into it further, but uh, but yeah. Sorry, I'm like That's cutting it. us out where, where <laughs> I've got to lie. I'm like in a rush to get out of here. I hate <laughs> it. No, but but yeah, if you have money and you're a young person, you just start off very simply. Put your money in a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. Put your money in, if and if you have a match through work, then start by putting it in a Roth 401k. Right. So let's say you're getting a three percent match through work. Well, then put at least three percent in, and you could put that in the Roth 401k. You don't have to put pre-tax in a 401k. Just match what they're matching. Right, Put exactly. in what they're willing to and match. And put in more if you can. Or start off with the match and then do the Roth IRA. And if you maxed out your Roth IRA, continue with the 401k. Mm-hmm. So you can start to get a little bit more, you know, you can manipulate it and you can mix it around. But in the most simplest terms, start with the Roth IRA, build some tax-free bucket on that side, protect yourself from what inevitably will come to happen in this country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Scare me a little That's bit. Good. Sorry. That's good. No, I like that. I like that. That's a good way. You heard it here first, guys. Get your uh, Roth or IRA. Roth Roth IRA in in uh, intact. I can't. I'm not even going to try. I'm like, I'm fading out over here. I'm definitely about to go give me a good margarita. That's the way to do it. just relax. I'm doing dry January right now. Can you Ooh, believe wee. that? I can't believe we went through this whole podcast and I didn't talk about my sadness and drives. <laughs> nah, it's good for me. It's good for It's me. not football season, so we're good for now. We're okay. Yeah. I would never do it in no, football season. No, that's a horrible idea. That'd be crazy. Yeah, that's risking way too much. Why would I do that? That's a horrible idea. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it is LSU women's basketball season and we are a women's basketball school now. Yeah. It's we are officially a women's basketball school. We lost to South Carolina last night. Yeah, but Angel Reese fouled out with four minutes. Yeah, that was tough. She shouldn't have put her hand up on that last foul. You got to know where you're at. It is what it is. It is what it is. But all right, well, I guess this was definitely a solid pod. There's no doubt about it. We're going to need to get you back on, though, to dive more into like... I could tell you're itching to talk about some of that stuff. We should definitely dive more (laughs) into that kind of stuff so you can educate people on, you know, what they could benefit from what you offer. Like a little Financial Friday or something. Yeah, there we go. No Financial Friday. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that. Well, I sincerely yeah. appreciate y'all having me on the pod today. Yes, it's been awesome. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely. I know you're a busy guy. We are too. So we understand like making time for stuff is not easy usually. No, never. Yeah. I mean, shit, it took us, what, three weeks just to kind of figure out a time and a place and yeah, coordinate yeah. it? Yeah, you know, it's crazy, man. I'm from this area, but I only get here often during football season. So, yeah, that's usually my you, driver. You tap it out. Back. You tap it out during that time. Oh, man. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. But, all right, guys. Well, it's always a good day. It's always a great pod. Hopefully, we'll be back 
pretty soon here. We'll probably get another pod in. I think this is we're what like two or three in. I think we're. Oh, you're talking about the bank. Yeah, we've got, we try to build up a bank, so you might not see this pod right away. It probably will be probably, like probably you know, Monday, a couple of days. Yeah. Do we have any any other ones ahead no. of us? Or oh, this is like our next yeah. man up. Yeah. Shit. Okay. It's right. so gonna be up yeah. Monday. Yeah. yeah Monday. Oh, that's super <laughs> exciting. Do you have like an outro? Do we do we outro no. the same music? Usually we're no. just like you know this is T Roy and this is P Roy and we're rolling out. Yeah. Oh, that's and cool. Something, something pretty oh. simple like that. Yeah. But this is it. this is T Roy. Oh my bad. Sorry. Was I supposed to go? You this is. And this is Justin. This is P Roy episode. Go.